Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz from NCAA.com and Turner Sports. And on this edition of our podcast, we're going to be doing our March Madness Preseason Player of the Year Tournament. Now, the seeding is based off of my rankings. So make sure you're voting for who you think is the Preseason Player of the Year. Now, of course, Preseason Player of the Year could be not on my list. I've got 16 names here. I did include freshmen. There could be a transfer maybe I didn't mention. Uh, who really blows up on a particular team. I have some other outliers that uh, I debated, uh, but uh, I went back and forth uh, whether or not they should be on this list. And I will tell you this, what I do think for sure is that this might be, and I know we say this sometimes before, but I really feel like this could be the most wide open player of the year chase. It's essentially going to go to either a veteran player, i.e. like a third-year junior, which right now is a veteran player, a senior, super senior, or only one of probably three or four freshmen. Um, so I don't see a sophomore winning it. Uh, I'm going to take that class out for the most part. I, I just i will be surprised. I think it's going to be in a couple of those categories. And I know maybe you're saying, oh, you didn't eliminate much, but we're going to have such an experienced group of players this season. And then a couple, just a couple of elite freshmen that have a chance to win it. So I was on the road in the month of October, going to five in-person media days. Uh, the SEC was the only league out of the Power Six, I'm including the Big East here, that opted not to have an in-person media day, which is fine. Because of COVID protocols, they decided it wasn't in their best interest, which I totally respect. Uh, I will say this, that uh, just going around the country here, in the Big Ten, feel very good after talking to everyone about the list of teams that I had near the top, Purdue, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Maryland, and Indiana. In the Big 12, once again, based on my conversations, feel really strong about that top three of Kansas, Texas, and Baylor. Kansas may be even better than I thought. In the Big East, Villanova clear favorite, Xavier, incredibly confident. So maybe I should have been more on them. I'm going to be tracking them throughout the course of the early part of the season. I have UConn too, and I think they probably will be, but Xavier, really, really, really confident. In the Pac-12, I think it's clear UCLA, overwhelming favorite. Oregon, we're giving them the benefit of the doubt, but USC's got that core back. They easily could finish second and challenge UCLA. 
And then I'm buying back into the Oregon State Beavers. I like Washington State a lot more than the ranking because they're picked eighth. Uh, Colorado, which just lost to Nebraska in an exhibition game, maybe they might slide down a little without McKinley Wright. So Oregon State, they're one to watch. And I, really, Arizona, Arizona State, we kind of have no idea. We got to really wait and see how they're all put together, especially Arizona with new head coach Tommy Lloyd. In the ACC, um, I actually put Virginia down, which I almost never do. But I just didn't get the sense from Tony Bennett that they're going to be as good early, which means they'll be better later because they always do at Virginia. But that might mean they might take some lumps and the seeding may take a hit because of it. I'm now more on Duke than I probably was in the summer and early season, more on North Carolina and Florida State and Syracuse. Um, Jim Beheim usually does not pump his team up as much if he doesn't believe in them, really believes in his shooters. So I, I really feel that's the top collection. Um, that we're going to see in the ACC. So on this podcast, you are going to hear my in-person interviews with Johnny Juzang. Really, really like getting to know him. Buddy Bayheim, same. Kofi Coburn, and had a real good chance to also sit down. Well, this is the only one I didn't do in person, and that was Drew Timmy. So I bet I've talked to him many times in person. So I think you'll enjoy this podcast because we'll hear from the players, the candidates, Johnny Juzang, Buddy Bayheim, Kofi Coburn, and Drew Timmy. Johnny Juzang now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365. And Johnny, uh, I'm sure you've seen, and if you haven't, I will tell you, I had you as the number one returning player in college basketball. And in our player of the year rankings, we're going to throw this out to the public. I also had you number one. That's all coming off of last March, but I believe in you that you can do this. Um, That's relative to the rest of the country. A lot of work to be done, but what does that tell you just, and I know it's just words, it's just my rankings, whatever, but still, what does it tell you of where you are and how far you've come? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's a great feeling when you see some of your hard work coming to fruition, you get recognition, you know, from, from such great guys and the, you know, who know a lot about the game. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see that, um, play out, but yeah, I, I still take it the same as I do, uh, every day and that's just getting better. And I want to make sure I get better every single day and that's my goal and that's how I see it. So I just stay present, stay in the moment, the rest will handle itself. And you know, that's how I've quote unquote got to that point or whatever, but nothing changes. Um, so I just want to keep working and look, we got a great opportunity this year. So, you know, keep having fun with it. We talked in Chicago, uh, over the summer at the draft combine, and I thought you were very present. Like you knew that for you to make that kind of decision, you need certainties. And you knew a certainty coming back of everything that was going to happen at UCLA. You just go back a little to that decision process of, of how you knew, like, this was the right call. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, you know, once I am certain on, I guess you can call it my philosophy, or once I, once I know what I want from a situation, then it makes the decision a lot easier. So for me, um, if we're going stepping back a little bit, I want to be able to come in and, and be a guy that's going to make an impact. Um, I want to come in and make an impact and contribute to a team. So, uh, you know, part of that is being a really uh, effective two-way player. So, you know, I felt like playing for Coach Cronin, there's no other better opportunity to develop as a player. And also, I mean, God, the situation's almost a, a no-brainer. I get to come back and play, this, play with these guys I love playing with on a great stage uh, for a great program with the opportunity to do something really special. So, uh, look, I felt like I'd come and keep developing and, and have a lot of fun this year. 
um, and, and hopefully do something special. So it's an amazing opportunity. It's crazy when you think about how fine a line it is, because I was talking to, you know, Mick Cronin about this, that there were multiple chances that you guys could have gotten beat. You know, I think of the two Michigan games, actually, the first four game and the Elite Eight game, just to sort of buffer even before Gonzaga. What was it about your guys' ability to, A, come back, and B, finish? Because it was, you guys were right on that line where it could have gone the other way. Yeah, um, you know, see, obviously you looked at it in retrospect, and yeah, it could have gone either way, but when we were in those games, you know, we weren't thinking about that at all. So something that um, was big for us going into these games and something I, I said a lot was basically, let's just leave it out here. And regardless of the result, so... I said it in a little bit different language. I don't want to repeat here. <laughs> but basically, you know, forget how it turns out. Let's just go leave it out there. We're here for the battle. So um, that was the main thing that we thought about going to these games and I thought about was we're just here for the battle. So however it turns out is however it turns out, and we're just going to leave it out here. And then it ended up working out for us. Um, but yeah, you look back and those games were close, but we weren't really, uh, you want to win, but, um, and you're looking at the score, but, it was really just about fighting it out. So the Gonzaga game still goes down as one of the greatest games I know I've witnessed. You've had now time to digest. What was it like to play in it? Oh, God, it's, it was a beautiful moment. I've, and, and I'm saying that we didn't win, but it was a beautiful moment for multiple reasons. Because first of all, as a player, you train so much and you practice so much. So to be in those moments, you've got to enjoy it. Um, and I think that we all did. Um, so first of all, it's amazing for that reason. And then it was such a special game because we had so many, so many, so many special moments where it was just back and forth, back and forth. So big shot, big shot, big shot. And those moments are the most fun. So we got a ton of those. Like, you don't get that every game. And then also, um, the way that we finished it, even though we lost, there was a feeling of, there was a feeling of just pride and guys that were so proud to play with one another and stand beside one another, um, and just the gratitude in the air that we even got to share the floor together was uh, really a beautiful moment. Right after we lost, we kind of just came together. And, you know, you realize it, and we realized it quickly, immediately after the game, that you don't always get that. So it's a beautiful thing. It was just such a pure form of basketball that we played, especially down the stretch of the postseason. Um, so everybody was just so appreciative. So there was a lot of beautiful moments along the way. And that game is so fun. Hopefully we get some more like that. All right, so let's look ahead to this team. The core is all back. You add Peyton Watson and uh, Miles Johnson, who uh, I know well from covering him at Rutgers. Uh, feels like those are the pieces that might have been missing last year because Cody Riley had to sort of do everything on his own as the season progressed. Um, what are you seeing there on the floor that gives you even optimism that this team could be even better? Yeah, I mean, we're all excited to play. We get the same guys back and then these new guys. And Miles is a, as you know, uh, a high-level rim protector Um He's got really good timing and feel, and then he's poised offensively being an older guy. Is, um, you know, he makes smart plays and takes smart shots and finishes at a high high uh, efficiency rate around the rim. So he's going to be a huge piece. And then Peyton Watson, you know, um, great athlete, long, lengthy, high energy, great defensive player with good feel on the offensive end. And, you know, he's a freshman, and he's picking stuff up quickly. Um, so he's kind of getting that timing offensively and adjusting to this, you know, the college brand of basketball. Um so I'm excited, uh, excited to share the court with these guys. I, I know they're going to help us a lot. When you committed to Kentucky, I mean, think about it. Kentucky, UCLA, I mean, Cal and Cronin, I mean, he, I mean, the brand names here, you're two of the biggest brand names in all of sports, let alone college sports. Um, but when, when this all started for you, 
I mean, how much did you envision that this could be a possibility, that you would be considered one of the best players in college basketball? Yeah, um, you know, I think I, when I was younger, uh, I was, I, I, I guess I was more um, result oriented. So I did, you know, visualize things like this and for sure. And I didn't know how long I'd be around in the college game and how it all play out. But I definitely have, I, I'm the type of guy that, you know, I want to be at the top of whatever I'm doing. I'm competing to be the best. So uh, it's definitely something I visualize, especially a lot more as I'm younger. Now I'm a little more just growth oriented and I just want to get better every day and stay present and forget about all the other stuff. But um, no, I mean, let's be real. It's something I visualized. <laughs> well, congratulations on what you've achieved to this point. I know we're going to be thrilled to watch everything that's going to unveil throughout the course of this season. Appreciate you, Johnny. Thank you, Andy. Always a pleasure, man. I, I love these. Uh, I love these interviews. They're always fun. And coming up on March Madness 365, my interview with Buddy Beheim at ACC Media Day. All right, buddy. So I listened to your dad this time. And as you know, I have you one of the top returning players of the country, uh, top 10. And then we're with our top 16 player of the year candidates. I made sure you were involved in that. Um, to get to that point, what did it take? To get to that point and where I'm at today, it took a lot of hard work, uh, getting up before school and high school, taking sacrifices, not hanging out with friends all the time, but instead going to the gym, working very hard with a lot of great people, working out at Syracuse every day. And uh, ever since seventh grade, I had a, a dream of playing at Syracuse and just being the hardest worker in the gym possible. And that's always something I took pride in. And uh, it was worth it every every uh, second of it. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of tough days, tough nights, but uh, persevering through it and just proud of where I'm at now, but uh, it wasn't easy. And uh, I wouldn't trade the journey for anything because I've learned a lot and uh, I've grown a lot as a person and a player. Your peers, a lot of guys came back. I mean, especially the bigs that we didn't expect. What's that say about whether it's NIL or just wanting to keep playing and, and not leaving before you're ready? What, what do you think that says about a number of veteran players are back this year? I think it's a great thing. I think NIL definitely had a little impact seeing guys talk about before, you know, if they pass NIL, then I'll come back seeing that. But also just uh, I think college basketball is one of the best sports in all of of everything. But uh, I think it's great to, that uh, college basketball will just get stronger and seeing guys come back more. I think that that will be more common, and uh, I think it's going to be a great year for college basketball. The level of play will be as high as it's ever been, and uh, a lot of great players out there. So it's going to be a very fun year. I mentioned experience. It's been rare that a freshman has won player of the year um, as a veteran. What is it about that you need the experience to get through a season like this to potentially be a player of the year? Yeah, just learning through the ups and downs. I think the transition from high school to college is monumental, the pace of the game. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It's such a fast-paced game. You're playing with bigger and better athletes and just the knowledge experience that guys have is, you know, it's a big difference and knowing how to get to your spots, knowing to, how to master your role and playing with a whole new team is a big transition. So I think just learning over the years, there's going to be ups and downs. You're playing in front of more people. Uh, it's on national television. There's a lot of factors, but I'm just maturing every day and uh, having that mindset that you need to bring it every day because there are a lot of guys out there and a lot of great teams. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now on Katz Ranks, we're going to look at my top 16, seated 1 to 16, for the March Madness Preseason Player of the Year Tournament. We will start with the 16th seed, 
Oster Shibway from Kentucky. Shibway, out of sight, out of mind, from West Virginia, transfers to Kentucky. I think he's going to be a double-double machine for John Carroll Perry. At number 15, Remy Martin from Kansas. Now, Remy was an outstanding player in the Pac-12, one of the best lead guards at Arizona State. Comes to Kansas, fills a void for the Jayhawks. And you need a lead guard. Remy Martin is the answer. At number 14, Max Acemus from Oral Roberts. Leading scorer in the nation last season. Led Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16. He deserves to be on this list. Preseason player of the year. Number 13, Kind of debated which Memphis freshman to put here, but now I'm going with Imani Bates. I think the ball will be in his hands a little bit more than Jalen Duran. So Imani Bates, if he can lead Memphis to the NCAA tournament and deep, he's got a shot. At number 12, get to know the name Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Going to end up being one of the best wings in the country. Could be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. He deserves to be on this list. At number 11, Marcus Carr from now Texas. Was the lead guard at Minnesota. He's a shot maker. He could be that missing piece for the Longhorns as Chris Beard in his first season tries to compete for the national championship. At number 10, Buddy Beheim from Syracuse. He's going to end up being one of the best three-point shooters in the country, playing with his brother Jimmy for his dad Jim. Syracuse could be a bit of a sleeper pick to compete for the ACC title. At number 9, EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Ohio State not getting as much love about being a Big Ten title team? Well, I think they have a legit shot with Liddell leading them. The eighth seed, Colin Gillespie from Villanova, back from his knee injury, could be the Big East preseason, could be the Big East postseason player of the year. Villanova is the clear favorite in the Big East. Colin Gillespie deserves to be on this list. At number seven, now the freshman, seven seed, Paolo Banchero from Duke. Could be in competition to be the number one draft pick in 2022. And if Duke, in Mike Krzyzewski's last season, if Duke is going to be a title contender, well, Paolo Benchero will be the reason. At number six, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. It's going to be either Holmgren or Benchero, more than likely for that number one draft pick and competing for national freshman of the year with one of the freshmen from Memphis, but also with a chance to be postseason player of the year. At number five, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana came back to play for Mike Woodson, had a legit shot to go into the NBA draft. He does not get the recognition he deserves. He could be the Big Ten Player of the Year. The fourth seed, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, had a monster freshman season, has bulked up. If Michigan's to win the Big Ten, Hunter Dickinson will be the main reason for the Wolverines. Third seed, Kofi Coburn from Illinois. Maybe the biggest surprise of a player who came back to college basketball. Thought he was a goner somewhere on the globe, if not the NBA. And then there was talk of him maybe transferring. But no, stayed true to Illinois and he's back. My two seed, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Timmy, preseason AP first team All-American, WCC preseason player of the year. Uh, There's no question he's got a shot to be the national player of the year. And a number one. It's hard to argue the kind of run that Johnny Juzang from UCLA had last March leading the Bruins to the national semifinal before Jalen Suggs put Gonzaga in the championship game. Johnny Juzang could have stayed in the NBA draft, play somewhere on the globe. He came back because he wants to win a national championship with the Bruins, but he's also got a legit shot to be the national player of the year. So my 16 seeds, one, Johnny Juzang, UCLA, two, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga, three, Kofi Coburn, Illinois, four, Hunter Dickinson, Michigan. Five, Trace Jackson, Davis, Indiana. Six, Chet Holmgren, Gonzaga. Seven, Paulo Benchero, Duke. 
Eight, Colin Gillespie, Villanova. Nine, EJ Liddell, Ohio State. 10, Buddy Beheim, Syracuse. 11, Marcus Carr, Texas. 12, Jaden Ivey, Purdue. 13, Imani Bates, Memphis. 14, Max Acemus, Oral Roberts. 15, Remy Martin, Kansas. And 16, Oscar Shibway from Kentucky. And up next on March Madness 365, my in-person interview with Kofi Coburn of Illinois. Kofi, when you made the decision to come back for this season, uh, how much did you realize that you were going to be one of the best players returning in college basketball? No, it was mentioned to me, um, you know, once or twice by coach and, and all my, my mentors. Um, you know, it's a great feeling. You know, I've worked hard and dedicated a lot of time, you know, in developing my game. And, like, to know that, you know, people are really recognizing it right now, it's incredible. You have a chance to not just be the Big Ten Player of the Year, but the National Player of the Year. Uh, for you to do that, what do you think you need to do on the court? I think I need to dominate, um, you know, stay consistent. I think I did a really good um, job last year. It's just, like, dominating and trying to be consistent. I feel like it's more ways I could go. Um, definitely, like, Improving, you know, making my free throws, you know, working on my playmaking um, and just keeping winning. You know, I feel like winning is the most important thing. And I feel like if I win and I do good, then you know, it's going to be the obvious choice. Some of the top players in the country are bigs. Yourself, Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis. So that's Michigan, Indiana. Uh, I mean, Johnny Juzang is a wing forward kind of player from UCLA. W- what is it about the bigs do you think of sort of overtaking college basketball? Well, the bigs are dominating, man. I feel like the bigs are finally like realizing that, yo, this is what we need to do. This is, we got to dominate down low. We got to be that presence. We got to make sure that we elevate our guys and make sure that we win games. You know, I feel like the bigs have been doing a really good job, especially in the Big Ten. Like you said, you got Trace Jackson Davis, you got Hunter, but you also got Travion. You also got, you feel me, you got a big dude that's really talented on every single squad. You get what I'm saying? I think, I think they were doing a really good job of just like leading in this, you know, like, Coming out every night and competing. Last year, Luca Garza wins National Player of the Year. National Player of the Years have come through the Big Ten quite a bit. What is it about the league that produces Player of the Year candidates? I say it all the time. It's, it's, a, it's the toughest league in the country, man. I feel like, like I said, every single night you go out there, there's an opponent that wants to kill you. They want to rip you harder than like They're really good. You know what I'm saying? And like the defense and the coaching and the Big Ten, it's just like it's like no other, like no other I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's incredible. It's hard to explain. You know, just being here and just like experiencing it for the last two years. Obviously, I knew that it was competitive, but like I never, I had no idea it would be this competitive. Every year you have eight or nine teams from the Big Ten that goes to the NCAA tournament, and you have all these teams that like they're competing. They're really good. You know what I'm saying? So like it's incredible. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Uh, and Drew, you are a preseason first team All-American by the Associated Press and by pretty much everyone else. Uh, obviously, the preseason favorite to be WCC Player of the Year. So following in the footsteps of your good friend, Corey Kispert, and obviously other Zags have been preseason All-Americans, postseason All-Americans. First off, how do you feel about these preseason accolades? That's pretty cool, honestly. Uh that uh, people think so highly of you and just uh, appreciate all the work that you've put in. But uh, it doesn't mean that much to me, honestly, just because I'm so focused on obviously wanting to get back to the national championship game and winning it. So it's cool, but uh, that's not uh, my level of concern. All right. So a couple things. First of all, uh, because I've got you as the number one player coming back or top five players, I should say, coming back uh, for our player of the year, Chase. and really have you and Johnny Juzang and Kofi Coburn sort of, and you can put them in any order, in my opinion, for the beginning of the season. We'll see how good the freshmen are, including one on your team in Chet Holmgren, uh, Paula Bonchero from Duke, who you'll see in Las Vegas. He'll be another one contender. In, in what way, because you had a real summer, a real preseason, uh, have you gotten better? 
Yeah, it's been great just to be able to spend like more time with the coaches and really get like more work in and also being able just like to really practice with all with everyone and stuff and really like get to build our chemistry up. It's been great to just uh try new things, work on different things. It's been a lot of fun. Like I've really been working on um my three point shot as well as just different finishes around the basket and trying to get deeper in uh the bag. So it's been a lot of fun. So obviously this is a different team, even though you guys are preseason number one and and Real basketball people, <laughs> I'm not saying a casual fan wouldn't understand this, but I think you definitely get this, that playing off of Corey and everything he did in terms of opening the floor and the shots he made and getting those passes essentially just served up to you, whether they were bounce passes, full-length passes from Jalen Suggs, um, that was pretty special last year. And that's not easy to duplicate. And now you're being thrust to this number one spot, yet you have different people next to you. More of an Andrew Nemhard, who you played with, but he's asserting himself. Chet Holmgren has never been in this position before. Um, what's it going to be like for you to excel with new people, essentially in those kind of roles that you had a year ago with Corey and Jalen? Yeah, I mean, those guys are irreplaceable. They're one of the kind, unique players. But uh, we've brought in some really high-level guys as well who are different and in their own like respective ways. And it's going to be fun and interesting. You know, uh, we are a young team and we got a lot to learn, especially uh, getting the new guys up to speed, you know, like Chet and all them, but uh, we're excited for it. And we know we're not going to be the same team as last year because those are different guys, obviously, but uh, you know, we're doing new things and we're kind of learning as we go. And um, we're, we're going through some growing pains and stuff, but you know, we're getting a lot better every day and just uh, learning more and more how uh, we fit and mesh together as a team. So, in what way will it be different playing alongside Chet versus playing next to Corey? Well, I mean, uh, Chet, uh, I mean, he, uh, he's, more, he's more of a big than Corey, obviously. Like, he can play around the rim a little more, especially like in the dunker spot, too. But he, and he can also shoot. You know, Corey was so good at uh, shooting from anywhere on the court and initiating offense. And I think Chet can do the same things, but I think Chet can be around the rim more and more of a rim protector as well, which will uh, obviously, like, take some pressure off me, too. And what about at the point? Um, I mean, you've got Nemhard, Hickman, uh, or, or lead guard roles, whatever you want to call it, Bolton. Um, you know, Salas will be in there in some degree. How do those guys differ than what you experienced with Jalen? So, I mean, I don't think there's uh, – those guys aren't like Jalen, but that's not a bad thing. Like, Jalen's a really good player. These, and these guys are really good, too. I mean, Rossier can shoot the crap out of the ball. Like, he uh, – he shoots it really good, and Nolan's, like, really in control. He's really good at making the right read and right play and, like, controlling the tempo. So those guys are coming along really nice, and Hunt's just, like, a really good defender, really athletic, great cutter. So we have, like, a nice, diverse group of play styles that will mold together at the uh, point spot, so it look really good. Um, obviously, being picked one comes with pressure and expectations, but ever since you came to Gonzaga, have started to watch Gonzaga, uh, even from Texas, that that's what's expected with this program, that those expectations and those pressures uh, are sort of what is expected. So how will you indoctrinate the new guys to deal with those kind of pressures, especially when you guys go on the road to some of those band boxes that this year will be packed in the WCC? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a reason why people choose to come here. You know, uh, lately, we, the coach has been doing a good job. You know, we're getting like, quote unquote, like all the, like more and more five-star type guys and stuff. And I think people really just love how like, 
we really will play any, the best of the best because we want to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. And uh, it's just kind of what comes with being a Zag. You're held to a higher standard, and that's something that we all bought into, and it's something that uh, is expected. So uh, just being able to maintain that standard is something that these new guys uh, understand when they come here, and I think it's uh, easier for them when they get here, you know, to kind of fit in with that because they're already expecting that and ready for that. So to that point, at least two of the guys I rattled off that I think will be player of the year candidates, you're going against and Johnny Juzang in UCLA and then Paolo Bonchero from Duke. Um, that's an unbelievable week in Vegas. How much are you looking forward to you know that week in addition to everything else on the schedule, Texas, uh, Alabama? I mean, the, the, this schedule is littered with potential Final Four teams. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, I think we're playing like <laughs> it's all they're all top five games. I guess, based off the rankings. But uh, we're excited. We can't wait. And um, it'll be a good test for us. We got a, we got a lot to learn. And, you know, it's going to be great to challenge ourselves like that, especially in the preseason. So uh, I'm excited, you know, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Drew, I appreciate it. Uh, the stash is back. Uh, so, you know, are you going to just keep it with the stash and, a, you know, a little bit of a short crop? Or are you going to go a little bit full on the, on the hair on top? I just, I just do whatever I'm feeling that day. It, it doesn't, you know, I kind of just let it, let it do its thing. So we'll see. All good. Uh, awesome, Drew. I appreciate it. And I will uh, hopefully, well, I will see you soon. I know that because I'll be in Las Vegas for the UCLA game. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. And as always, you can check out this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, across all our social media accounts at NCAA.com and March Madness. But remember, we're going to have voting. This is the March Madness Preseason Player of the Year Tournament. We need you to vote. So have at it. We'll talk soon. The season opens November 9th. I will be there. Champions Classic. Duke, Kentucky is the nightcap. Michigan State, Kansas. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if any one of those four is in New Orleans. Michigan State probably is the least likely of the four, but never, ever count out Tom Izzo. Thanks for listening, everyone.